Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Southeast, the podcast where we take you through some of the major topics facing importers and manufacturers in China today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the China Manufacturing Decoded podcast again. And this week, we are talking with Clive Greenwood, who is an expert, among others, an expert in compliance. And the topic today is. What are the issues with with compliance for most importers?、Uh, what I mean by that is, most people come to China, buy some products, and don't actually ensure that their products are compliant with the laws and regulations of the countries where they will sell these products. So, why is that? Why is it not very easy sometimes for 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 the importers?、Uh, what information are they missing? What should they do? Basically, this is what we're going to cover, in you know, as well as we can anyway in this episode. So, Clive, hi,、uh, nice to 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 have you here. Thanks for joining us. Can can you give us a little bit of an intro about yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, good morning, Rayon. Good morning, everybody. My name is Clive Greenwood. I'm the Chief Technical Officer of WWMG Associates. We are. A, a company which specialises in standards and compliances to, to manufacturing industries.、Um, I myself、uh, work to help companies、um, with their manufacturing compliance to raise their standards, to raise their quality requirements, and to push themselves into better quality. So、um, I've been doing this for、um, you know, nearly thirty years. Uh, rather a long time, and my hobby is writing. Sta-、uh, as Renaud will tell you, my hobby is actually reading standards.、Um, so, go on, you take it away. <laughs> Great. Okay, so I'm sure you have seen and talked to a lot of buyers who、uh, who come. Let, let's just say, you know, general consumer goods,、uh, you know, furniture, textiles,、uh, electronics, and things like that for for the EU, for the US, for Australia and so on, and they they just you know come to the Canton Fair or look on Alibaba and just place an order, and and receive the products, put them on the market,、uh, you know in e-commerce or in, in stores and so on, and all throughout this process they never really asked, is this compliant? You know first what regulations actually apply. To、uh, to to these products in let's say for example in the U.S. and what can we do to actually make sure that it's compliant, right? So、uh, I'm sure you've seen a lot of people like this, right? Do, does it does it come from a lack of awareness of the standards? Does it come from let's just do it and let's see what happens? Sort of risk taking attitude. Does it come from greed? You know, like ah,、uh, yeah, we probably should do some testing, but whatever. This is a small order. That, you know, doesn't the margin doesn't justify it, right?、Uh, I'm sure there's all of these cases, right? Yeah, I think generally,、uh, if you wanted to take a general a, a general overview of of what's happened, it tends to be that there has been a, a distinct. We need this cheap. As we can get products to make margin,、um, it's not. I don't believe that the vast majority do not understand that they must meet standard. I believe that the vast majority 
rightly or wrongly, assume that when they're talking to their Chinese manufacturers, for example, and not just in China, by the way, that their, their so-called uh, accreditations and their certificates are, in fact, respect, retrospective or respective, should I say, of what they actually do. Mm. And that's not the case. Right. So too much trust maybe to the, the suppliers, you know, documents and uh, abilities and everything. And yeah, preserving the margin, making some margin first. Yeah, that makes it's, sense. It's, yeah it, it, it's all about getting the cheapest product that they can. And in a lot of cases, especially with Internet, um, this is biggest one of the biggest challenges that we face in compliance is that these box shifters on internet, they have little knowledge of the supplier. They have little knowledge of the products. And, and literally, they're just using a platform, a very big platform, as well as it turns out, to push product. There is no checks. There is no balances. The people that are buying them off the internet really have no idea that there is a standard for this product or that the supplier should comply with this. They just see a nice little CE certificate on the bottom of the page and think, well, everything is going to be fine. Correct. So naive, naivety is a, big, is a big problem. Yeah, I remember uh, yeah, years ago, this was on, on French TV. They, they, you know, the, some journalists, they went to see some um, Chinese supplier in their showroom and they said, oh, um, okay, Oh, this product is nice. It's for sale in the U in, in, in the EU. Is is okay? And uh, they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. And okay. Oh, and I would need the CE logo on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. We just you know make a little it's change, you know, in the in the mold or whatever. A pop you was, <laughs> you will you will get the CE. It's no problem. Uh, okay. Is this gonna cost anything extra or you know have any implications? No, no. You want the mark? You have the mark, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. Uh, the suppliers sometimes make it look extremely simple, right? It's fine. Just, you know, just do like that and buy it, right. give us the money, sell it, give a, you know, yeah. give us money again. We make it again. It's, it's that simple, right? But then last year, I think a lot of people started to actually think, oh, there is such a thing as, you know, compliance obligations with the, the PPE disasters, right? All of these masks and, uh, respirators and all other kinds of PPE products that were purchased by, you know, all kinds of traders that did not really know what they're doing, that they were actually chasing um, quick profits. And then there was a lot of backlash. A lot of, a lot of these products were actually non-compliant. A lot of them were actually thrown away. Is that correct? Yes. The, uh, well, um, as you remember, when I wrote the two papers, uh, what mask, what mask, which, which job, and then and then also the one which uh, we've just finished, which is the uh, the checkmate paper, mm. we looked into the the history of what was going on, especially in checkmate, when we we, we searched back through uh, multiple data sources and found that the PPE disaster was something which was well known was going to happen um the there were exercises running multiple capitals across europe 
And it was found that even if they had a major flu epidemic, then the, the, the health service just would not cope. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, when you looked at, at, at the start of 2020, there was some 11,000 manufacturers of masks in China. By the middle of 2020, there were 64,000. Yeah, because okay. yeah, it's so easy. You just extend yeah. your scope, right? Yeah, yeah it's Very so easy. easy. Yeah. Now, first and foremost, as we pointed out in, in, the, in the works, which I said, we looked at exactly what these things are and what the performance is. Now, if we looked at the A strain virus or the, or, or the, or the Wuhan virus, as it was known at the time, then it, it's, its actual size was 0.0125 nanomicrons. But the masks which are on the market, apart from the certified medical masks, and the ones at the time, in fact, were not the N95s, by the way, because an N95 is not a medical mask, it's a dust mask. Mm. Now that's only good at three nanomicrons. Mm. You need N99. So the, the, N99 the, the N99 is the medical mask. The N95 is not. Mm. The N95 is, in fact, a dust mask. Mm. And that includes 3M and everybody, all the manufacturers, but it was what was available at the time. Right, right. And it was anything is better than nothing. Mm. Okay. Sure. Now, what's caused the problem was the, the inner side of these masks, especially the, the ones we, which we call the surgical mask, mm -hmm. was the, the middle layer of that is called meltblown. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a substance which is extremely difficult to control the quality. It's incredibly difficult to control it. It mm -hmm. needs to be in sterile rooms, in zero static environments, things like this. Mm -hmm. Simply put, there wasn't enough of it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that um, became clear. Yeah. That became clear. So what happened? You had, uh, and, and, and I mean, I know because I, I directly investigated eighty-four companies. Mm. We found that there were people were buying. Uh, I mean, during, let's say, the first the first quarter to the first second quarter of two thousand and twenty. The explosion that there was in manufacturers of, of melt-blown equipment and of mass manufacturing equipment. Uh, they, were, they were just yeah, they, popping they were up making everywhere. Like, they were just popping yeah. up everywhere. Yeah. But the people that were using them had no idea of what they were actually building. But it didn't matter because no one was checking. Right. It was, get me a million masks now. Yeah. Doesn't matter <laughs> um, that it doesn't work. Doesn't matter. Right. I can't come. I can come and audit it. I can't come. I need to pay 50% first. Yeah. I need it now. Okay, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, okay, it doesn't matter. Just get me something. Yeah. This is where this whole thing started from. Um, we, I mean, we traced it back. The, the, the point is that the, the, the national stockpiles across the world, especially in the, in the US, I mean, FEMA did an appalling job. That they took down their national stockpile to zero, yeah, and never replaced anything. 
and this is we spoke before when we were talking about you know the the national security implications of not having ppe for example i mean in in, in 2017 no one would suggest that ppe would be of national national security implications yeah right 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 the, the trouble is there was four reports which was made by something something which is called the five eyes security mm. system mm. okay where they clearly stated very clearly stated and if you can get out of a copy of um of checkmate it quotes in that that meeting verbatim they knew it's not that they didn't know it was clearly there in intelligence briefings that this would be a problem so people some people actually looked and saw the risk in case of they, some kind they of flu or yes they defined the risk yes yeah 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 okay and the national health service in the uk did an did did actually what, what we called an eerie exercise we called it eerie because it means that their eerie was real on on what would happen in the event of a national pandemic or epidemic mm. and it showed that the, the national health service had probably got about two weeks mm. and then that would so, be it yeah. Yeah? yeah and this is what this is what happened so then yeah. you had people and yes in the uk uh, government ministers out there buying things from the mate down the pub who just turned around and said, well, I can get you this because I know somebody in China. Yeah, that's really that what happened. Yeah. That's really what yes. happened. Yes. yes, yes, everywhere, everywhere, yeah. everywhere. Oh, oh, you get a connection to some kind of buyer, uh, some, some kind of, of, of manufacturer of mass. Oh, you get yeah. some stock. Okay, let, let, you know, let's just buy it because... We can get it to you. It doesn't matter if it works or it doesn't we, work. We yeah. need it now, right? Yeah. Provided it's, it's got a CE certificate on it. And even if it hasn't, it doesn't matter. Put one on. Yeah? Yeah, right. Yes. There, well, there, there is, you know, huge fake documents, but it didn't really matter because no one was checking. Right, right. Okay. You got a sudden yeah. explosion of manufacturers that no one could get around and check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. True. It, it was the Wild West. But in mm. reality, it, it, when you look, you know, not just in the PPE industry, uh, although, the, you know, as we, we will go on and we, we will, uh, you know, um, we will explore. That was the camp. That was the straw which has broke the camel's back. Mm. Okay, that's for sure. Mm. But when you, when, you, when you talk about people buying things, okay, the first and foremost is, Pre-COVID, it didn't cost a lot of money to send a person to China to do an investigation. It was, you know, you're looking at a two two thousand pounds. You could send a guy, one of your engineers, go out look at this factory. Yeah, hmm. it wasn't really that difficult. <laughs> right. So that needs to be that needs to go to another aspect of what happened with this whole mess was. That 2000, we don't need to spend it. We will trust them. So that comes back to that. It's okay. They have a CE mark. They have this. They have that. Then it's got to be right. A lot of the blame must fall on the people who were doing the accreditations. 
this is where the vast, I mean, the CE mark, as you said before, became doesn't matter. When in reality, yeah. that was the only safeguard that the buyers had. Okay. Yeah. Whether or not it was an overtrust or whether or not it was naivety or whether or not it was pure profit, I think it's I think it's a combination of everything that which happened. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. The, the yeah. no surveillance of the manufacturing, a lack of trained people to do audits. I mean, there are not many people, you know, like me and you, that that can actually read a specification of 174 pages and disseminate what that what that standard actually means. I mean, most people after page four throw this away. It's like, you know, so a lack of trained inspectors. So that's for sure. And. The problem is that the people that were doing the inspection in the vast majority of cases were actually the same company that had given the accreditation. Correct. That, <laughs> that is not exactly oversight, is it? Little conflict of interest. Is it just? Uh, yes. If the inspector yeah. says, oh, there's some problems, and then the guys will say, yeah, but your colleagues and the, the, the third party, you know, so-called yes. different business unit. Mm -hmm. uh, they said it was okay. The same. They say yeah. it was all okay. What are you talking about? You know, they they they're supposed to be more trained than you. They have more hours of auditing than you. They, you know, mm -hmm. discuss this with them, and it's fine to give us the, the certification. It's uh, perfectly acceptable, actually. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, and that and, and that's across a wide range of industries. It's not just in the medical or right. consumer electronics. It, it's across a wide range. Yes, yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, yeah, I was talking about the, the PPE disaster because that's really a, uh, yeah, a crazy case study, but it really reveals that, you know, when everything goes wrong, you know, buyers who have no clue what they want, uh, buyers who don't do the due, due diligence, uh, you know, suppliers who say, yes, yes, look, we have a paper, look at this. And then, it doesn't say CE mark, it just has a CE logo somewhere. And then they say, it's issued by a company somewhere in Europe. Look, this is our CE certificate. And actually the buyers don't, are not trained to read it. So they don't understand that it's not applicable at all as a CE certificate. Uh, there was a lot of that actually. Um, well, yeah, when we start talking about the ECMs. Yes, yes. And, yeah, everybody and, uh, saw CE, but what, I take, what it was saying was actually ECM. That's a self-declaration and means nothing. Right, because it's not applicable for this kind of product. But people do yep. not even know, right? So that, that, that's an interesting, uh, yeah, interesting case study. Um, so, and just to, to finish off with the, with the PPE, okay, because there's still a lot of PPE being shipped out of China, obviously. Uh, and some of the measures taken, you know, put in place last year are still in place, right? You were telling me. So in the EU, the customs still check the, the documentation of the, the masks and gloves and, and such types of products. Is that correct? Um, the customs have visibility yeah. of, of the declaration of conformity. That's it. Okay. So if they see something that is not 
yeah, at the present time, um, you know, you, you have to remember that the border control, they are only inspecting 10% of everything that goes in. Okay, but if you're if you're flying in there with a 747 full of masks, then they're probably going to have a look at it. Yeah, but but they're not trained to. They're not experts in that particular field. They, you know, yeah. you, you you know the glaring difference of well, that's obviously a fake, okay. But most people did not know what the fakes looked like because they were quite good. You had to really understand visually. Um, visually yeah. Although modern day certificates, they actually have QR codes in them, which you can just simply scan in your smartphone mm. and it will come up and tell you exactly what that is. And if the paperwork doesn't line up, you've got a problem. Mm. But the problem is enforcement. It is always, and as we will go on later, we'll look at new enforcement rules. The problem has been manpower at the, at the docks. Mm. Buyers not understanding what they're buying. The, the, the whole thing was, was, was holier than a Swiss cheese. And people were experts at navigating where those holes were. Yes. yes. You've got to remember there was a great deal of fraud going on. It wasn't a lot of just people not understanding what was going on. There was a great deal of fraud. Right, right. Yes. Okay. And... You know, when there is a gold mine which happened on that one, then there will always be that, and there needs to be strong surveillance in, in place to make sure that that doesn't happen, and it simply wasn't there. Right, right. Yeah, let's let's stay on this topic, yes. So let's say I set up a, a business importing some, again, general consumer products in uh, in the EU or in the US, you know, yeah. and I, I, I start to, to buy some products. I, you know... Who might get me in trouble? Uh, usually, it in the EU. Usually, in my understanding, it is the, the the market surveillance authorities, right? Which are which is a different agency in every country, right? And right. they're supposed to to come in once in a while, uh, have a look at the documents, have a look at what they call the, the technical files. Um, for any product that you have put on the market, actually, you need to keep the, the technical file for, for 10 years after a product has been put on the market now, right? Yes. Yeah. So they look through that, they check if things have been um, declared properly because sometimes the import duties are different uh, and, and they, they check uh, obviously for, uh, for compliance. Okay, how do you know if this product here, I don't know, like a Christmas lighting chain or, or something that, you know, that might, Put a fire in a home, or you know, uh, I mean, really um, endanger the user's safety. Uh, the, okay, well, how how do you know that this was compliant? Show me. Uh, okay, yeah. so we have this um, certificate that yeah, was they... given to us by the by the supplier. Yeah. We have this test report. We did our own inspection. Da 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 da. Okay, and yeah, then well, first and foremost, then... first the, the first thing is that. Um, it's actually not true that the that the surveillance bodies actually go and look around. What has to happen first is there has to be a number of complaints about a product for them to actually become involved. So there is a, you know, the, the, the end customer would say, well, look, this has caught fire, or that had been, for example, the police report that 
someone had died because a set of Christmas trees lights caught fire. And then the consumer protection agencies would then become involved. Even yeah. in the EU? Even in the EU? Because that is the EU. <laughs> that is oh, okay, the EU. Okay. 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 So people told me differently. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah no, no. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There has to be an instance for them to actually go and look at. Okay. The, the, the actual mechanism is that there's a report that comes to them. They go and look at it. They don't just go around and look themselves. Mm, mm. Okay. Okay. So something happens. Yeah. Now, that time scale between them finding a product, investigating what's gone on, and that product being removed from, 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 from sale can be anything up to up to 18 months yeah wow yeah it is yeah. not it is not uh, unless there is a you know a, a major disaster where mm. countless people are killed would you get it to move any faster got it got it okay, okay. and generally what would happen next is that the that those agencies would then inform border agencies who would then check that product Right, I understand. Okay, that's that's the mechanism which goes along. Okay, but the concept that the border agencies check the product is wrong. They do not. It's only unless there is a glaring problem would they take a sample of that product and have it tested. Oh, they can't just yeah. they can't open every container and do things. Yeah, of course. But yeah. again, yeah. you know, border agents are not product specialists. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean it's it's more of the document review kind of uh, level. That that that's what I had in mind. Yeah, the 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 document review was essentially poor to non-existent. Yeah, right, 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 right. Uh, and the people that were supposedly reading them didn't know what they were reading anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, the, you know, the and this this was this goes across multiple industries. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Right. The, right. That a compliance to a standard is not a sticker that you put on the product. <laughs> okay. The compliance, it is, yeah, the way too simple a way of looking at it. The compliance is how the product was manufactured. I mean, as you know, to get a CE certificate on multiple different types of products, the, you have to supply a number of samples to an accredited body. A, a, a manufacturing control plan and there you go off you go for the next five years you sent out say for example 24 samples yes mm-hmm. they passed great I'll go and make 24 million of them mm-hmm. okay there is nothing in there about surveillance of this yes it passed now if you read a lot of these standards uh, a lot of these certificates it says on the day and the samples that we tested, they were found to be in compliance. Of course, it's always like that with with yeah. you know product certificates. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they do testing and that. based on the report, based on the findings, they say, okay, it's I certified compliant. that these these samples are compliant. Yes, of course. Yeah, doesn't mean that your manufacturing is compliant. Right. Yes. <laughs> Now, generally speaking, what should happen is that, that, that your host nation, their manufacturing you know, customer uh, people, especially in China, China is actually quite good at this as well. They actually send people in there to look at factories. 
Okay. Not all. Some do. And if they find something wrong, they put it right-ish. Okay. But that again, they have to be in a report for them to get interested, yeah? There's not there's not roving bands of inspectors going around saying we're gonna make sure that this is okay. All right. And again, it comes down, it comes down to the loophole, which was that the accreditation bodies were simply issuing certificates and not following up. That is what happens. Yes. And there's yes. where the loopholes were. And that's why it went wrong. Yes, exactly. Let's cover liability. <laughs> so <laughs> big heavy topic. Currently, so far, again, for most consumer goods, you know, you have, I don't know, you, you buy some kind of product with a battery, I don't know, an e-bike. You put your e-bike in your garage. The battery, for whatever reason, has been, you know, damaged, there's a short circuit during the night. Boom, and it starts a, uh, starts a fire in the home. Okay, who is going to be responsible for that? And who, who is actually going to, to be liable, right? And the, the easy answer to this is that it is the person who imported the product. Right. Put it on the market, basically. Yeah. The person that put it on the market. Yeah. 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 If, it, if, it, if, for example, it has got a CE mark, mm -hmm. then you have something which is called a CE representative. Mm. His, his role is to make sure that, that market surveillance is going on in his role is to be a point contact. Oh, that's right. what his role used to be. Hmm. The, 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 the chain of liability always ends up at the manufacturer. The chain of enforcement stops at the Chinese border in most cases, if you're buying from China, for example. Right, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, yes. Um, when you read all the documents, all the, the, the standards, the regulations, um, they're, they're written a little bit like the products are manufactured domestically. And then, yeah, the manufacturer did something wrong. The manufacturer is liable. But when you import from India, from China, the, actually it's the importer you know, that, that, that really put it on the market that assumes the liability of the manufacturer. Is that, is that the right way to put it? Uh, it doesn't assume the uh, the liability. It is an implied liability at the moment. Um, the liability at that one would be that the importer is is assumed to have taken all the necessary due diligence steps to ensure that the product which he's making available to be compliant to the standards as laid down by the the nation of which it's been imported to. Now the word there is assume. Right. Not, right, right. And that means that, that he's taking responsibility. But there, he is, they are, by taking such responsibility by making the product available, it is assumed that he has checked. And that's where his liability okay. is. Yes. Yeah? yes. Okay. Yes. Otherwise, he's yeah. um, negligent. Yeah. And that, 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 that makes everything worse. Yes. That's what makes everything worse. And this is why there has been a change to people buying things offline, especially people like Amazon and things like this. And, uh, I mean, Taobao and all these type mm -hmm. of 
internet booking places, which they don't have millions, was that they made the product available to the market. But they actually turned and said, we do not carry reliability because we're not responsible for the content of our, of, of, of our site. Which in other words meant, we're just making it available, but we're nothing, we've got no liability. Now that's all changed. Yeah, that and then, changed. yeah, but this has been going on for years and it, it changed only very recently. And the, yeah, um, 16th of July, June, July. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, but this, is, you know, this is what happened with, with who yeah. is responsible and where is liability. Right. Liability no always ends with the manufacturer. Yeah. Okay. It always ends with the manufacturer, but it, it depends on which standards and things like this that we're looking at. But in many standards now, it uses the words jointly or severally. Mm. Okay. So they address the loophole. They say, you guys are yes, involved. Yes, yes. You're involved like... in here. You, you can't just wash your hands with this. Yes. Okay. Right. Yes. All right. Absolutely. You. you you, you, you actually made this product available onto the market. You should have checked. You should have known. So therefore, you are liable. Absolutely. All right. Now, the, the courts will always try to go, obviously, for the highest, the highest branch on the tree. Okay. The problem is that that branch is isolated from prosecution. Okay, because you have a got you're crossing borders and you have you know border laws and things like this. Yes, the, to, the, to, to recover yeah. money from manufacturer far away in certain countries. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter which country it is it's always the same. But but it is liability in 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 reality. It stops with who has got the money to pay and who can you go after. Right. And right. unfortunately, you know, you if you are, for example, a PPE broker that's just made all this rubbish available on the market and you bought it dirt cheap and you got it really cheap, well, that factory's probably disappeared by now. Yeah. Yeah. Or they went you, back to making socks. Anyway. Or they went back to making socks, yeah. Or yeah, washing yeah, machines yeah. or something like that, yeah. Well, you are liable. Make no mistake about this. If that product is defective in any way, shape or form, mm. all the documentation is fake or false or falsified, you are liable. Yes. If somebody is hurt or, for example, it can be proven that your product was used in a medical setting and that medical setting now has people caught the disease and are dead, you are liable and you can be liable for manslaughter. Mm. Okay, you made the products available to the market. So don't think that you just, yeah, you can't just think that. Oh well, I I I, oh, I bought a million gloves and I made five hundred thousand pounds on this, and look at me. Hey hey, I'm just going to go out and buy myself a new Lamborghini. I actually would go out and buy yourself a new lawyer, because they will come after you. Yeah, on a positive note. <laughs> on a positive note, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, thanks a lot. So basically, if I if I summarize, so we were kind of looking at the the gaps and the loopholes. You know, maybe people don't know what applies. Uh, they don't want to pay the money. They trust their supplier too much. These are very common issues. Um, they 
you know, once and they don't, uh, and they don't want, uh, you know, and to finish off there, uh, and they yeah. don't want yeah. to pay professionals to go and do it for them. Yes, yes, uh, and on the enforcement side, um, market market surveillance authorities, custom uh, border control, and things like that are not as systematic as one would uh, would would assume, uh, and uh, not as proactive also as one might assume, uh, and then. Mm-hmm. The, the, the manufacturer in a faraway country doesn't really care because nobody's going to, uh, to, to go and knock on their door and say, you've been, you know, here's the enforcement of a judgment because of a product you made that, that was faulty and endangered uh, the safety of users. So these are a number of, uh, number of issues. We, we already talked, we're gonna do a, a follow-up episode that's going to come uh, in uh, one or two weeks later and um, and we'll look at actually how compliance standards are evolving with a very uh, concrete example that's already in place actually uh, already being uh, yes uh, totally uh, enacted and active uh, and how it actually uh, closes pretty much all of these loopholes thanks a lot clive and you're welcome we'll, we'll talk again soon for the next episode as i mentioned thanks okay Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to like and share. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other places that you get your podcasts from. See you next time.